We had a semi-rough experience in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And even that, we were excited to check it out, even though it turned out to yes. be a little bit uh, heavy on the deferred maintenance <clears throat> in that town. Praise the Lord, we did not visit the Hot Springs bathhouse because it looked really dirty. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. So this week, a lot of people are starting to get emails in their inbox saying, hey, the year end is coming up and we know you'd like to pay less taxes and we have a solution for you. It's giving to our charitable organization. Yes. You've probably gotten some of those. I got some texts this year and that really <laughs> ruffled my feathers because I don't know how I got on these text lists. But yeah, that's the that's the most disconcerting thing about this process is you don't know how the um you I don't know, influenza society of South Dakota got your got your information. But that's right. I I I think it's the most wonderful unsubscribe time of the year. Because you don't know how they found you, and then it's your joy to go unsubscribe. Yes. But don't unsubscribe from the Abraham's Wallet podcast emails. No, why would you ever do that? Yeah, I don't know. About one person every six weeks unsubscribes, and I always take it personally. So You would never never want to divorce your family to destroy it. You never want to unsubscribe from Abraham's wallet and do damage to your own family. That wouldn't make any sense. No. One thing that we've talked about, Stephen, you're the guy on this topic, which is that your giving can be one of the primary places where your family vision is actually lived out and put into action when it comes to how you use your money as a family. And I just wanted to kind of let the let the people hear us talk through a family vision process in real time. We were traveling around Texas a couple weeks ago, and we even got to do this with some people, work through a, a basic, here's what we are placed on this earth in a unique combination of gifts and humans and, and passions and things like that to do. But once you have a family vision statement nailed down, you can look at all these different opportunities for giving or even the places you're already just kind of automatically giving. Well, let's talk about that trip a little bit. Okay. But let me finish my sentence. Okay. You can look at these opportunities for giving and say, Hey, which ones of these actually help us live out of the calling that we have as a family? And you might, you might listen to this podcast and cut some giving out. But our hope is that you would replace it um, or look for new opportunities when it comes to generosity that really live out the thing that God has called you as a family to do. So that's what I want to talk about this week is how a family vision can power a unified strategy of giving for a family. Yes. Yes. I'd go so far as to say on that point that the scripture says that the the Lord loves a cheerful giver. 
um, the word there is hilarious. He loves a hilarious giver. So you might imagine that for most people, giving to, say, um, IRS infrastructure, if you had to give your money to help the IRS keep going, might be less joyous than, say, paying for a birthday party for underprivileged six-year-olds. You could see that one of those would produce a lot of um, joy and be really gratifying to do. And one of those would actually feel like a bummer, even though you gave to, in both cases, you're giving. And what often happens is that uh, our joy is removed from the giving process because we're not giving to something that actually falls in line with who we're made to be. Now, where I'm not, I'm not talking about not giving. That that's not an option for a disciple to not give, and and not to give generously. But I think that if we walk through the places that you give with a fine tooth comb and actually do some brainstorming on the subject we can multiply your joy and hilarity around giving. And I think that that's worth doing because I want you to, here's why you could, you could close your eyes and hold your breath and, and do it because you're supposed to do it. And you believe you, you believe it's your Christian duty. And so you give, even though you hate it. Um, and okay, you've been technically obedient, even though your heart wasn't in it. What will happen is that you won't reproduce any joy of giving. Matter of fact, what you'll reproduce is that uh, that snarly attitude about giving. But if you're giving in places that feel as life-giving to you as as uh, paying for a birthday party for six-year-olds, you'll reproduce that. Uh, not only in your children, but the people around you, because, I mean, you, you want a great water cooler uh, subject. It's holy moly. I can't believe what what we actually got to see this last week or this the culmination of a year's work or whatever in telling people how exciting it was for you to give money and see it and see it have an effect. So that's what I want. That's what we want to get into is um, having a real uh, a real test case of trying to pull apart giving practices. Did you want to talk about our trip through Texas? Now, before we do that, I'd like to tell the people a little bit about our Texas tour that we just went on. We were so, like Lyle and Robert Earl Keen, just roaming the highways of Texas in a Cadillac and stopping in random towns that's true to peddle our our goods i wish we'd have had a set of longhorns on the front of the hood of that cadillac we we ate barbecue and mexican food while we were there a lot of good things happened anyways what we did was we went to houston college station and dallas this was the this was the shape of this was the shape of our days and I'm telling you people this because I hope and pray it's a model that we can uh, reproduce in the future. It worked out really good for this trip. We'll see about the future. Well, here was the shape of our days. We had a we had a host 
in, in each town. And the host, uh, you know, let's take a college station, for example. We have a host who, who provided meeting space for us um, and then slotted, uh, scheduled people in one hour slots from 10 in the morning to 4 p.m. And we just met with families. It was under the auspices of we're going to talk about your finances. But what we saw in several cases was people's finances, as they often do, led into spiritual or relational issues. And we sat with them for one hour, just giving of our time. These were free meetings and either giving people counsel, biblical counsel, um, giving them technical advice about what to do with their money, um, praying with them on, on some occasions, um, or just giving them tactical, tactical thoughts, um, instruction. So that we so we took those appointments throughout the day. I think those are really helpful for us. These are the kinds of things that we like to do with people, which is why we want you to um, email us. Um, we like to talk with people about their stuff. It, it, it educates us as far as what's really happening with people. I think it makes us sharper. Um, then we then. OK, so that took us to four o'clock. Well, in the evening. We had an evening meeting where some of those people, not all of those people that we'd met with during the day and some other new people who were part of the network of the host. Um, just gathered at night and we got to do a presentation of uh, a, a biblical money topic. And then we did Q&A and had kind of a happy hour and we're just there for folks. And I, I loved it. It gives us uh, an example. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to kind of flex our muscles a little bit because we, we think that that one reason we're here on the planet is to help educate people as far as God's good ways regarding money. And those things come with both authority and responsibility. So we're able to kind of trot some of those out in front of people, as well as helping people with practical needs. So I just want our hearers to know that we did that. It's the kind of thing we could do again. And uh, we loved it. What would be really cool, once in a while, I get emails from our both our listeners and our hearers, and they say, you know, we get together, my crew found your podcast, some some dude that I hang out with found it, and now there's eight of us, and we right. listen to the Abraham's Wallet podcast, and that's, first of all, flattering to us uh, that you would take any time every week to listen to us, but second of all, if that's you, and you're in anywhere in America, and you think, wow. What if we could sit down with these guys and just unbelievable talk through something? Well, we might be interested in a little road trip that extends beyond the borders of the great state of Texas, uh, because neither of us neither of us live in Texas, so that was a a flight and then a drive for both of us. But like Stephen said, it was fruitful. So if that's you and you think that would be cool, I'm not promising that we're coming next month, but uh, send us an email mark at abrahamswallet.com and say, Hey, out here in Duluth, we've got a crew yeah, man. and we want to see you. And I'll tell you if it's, 
if it happens to be that your crew is in San Diego <laughs> or maybe like up in Maine in the summertime or something like that, um, that could be a positive on your resume for getting an Abraham's wallet trip. But <laughs> but don't be afraid to say, hey, we all live in... If you're in Duluth, just just give us some ice fishing as part of the trip. We'll be interested. Yeah. So I, I can't really think of a part of America that couldn't be interesting to explore. Agreed. We we had a we had a semi rough experience in Hot Springs, Arkansas, um, a couple years ago as a part That's of true. as a part of this venture. But other than that, and even that, we were excited to check it out, even though it turned out to yes. be a little bit uh, heavy on the deferred maintenance <laughs> in that town. But we had we experienced the joy of exploration in any case. That's true. And praise the Lord, we did not visit the Hot Springs bathhouse because it looked really dirty. Okay, let's talk about your giving issues. Well, the first thing I wanted to do, Stephen, is our family has been working for like three years through the annual goals summit. And we've Good. done even the blown out version of annual goals summit that we do with our clients at Outpost. But what I would say is we have kind of a rough idea of our family vision statement. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking this might be good for helping us refine our giving opportunities. Uh, but I thought maybe I'd read it to you and get some feedback that you could help me refine it and narrow it down a little bit. Okay. Let's hear it. So in the parrot family, we nourish and encourage well-ordered households that are places of peace and built for high challenge, endurance, and the enjoyment of the king's treasures. One more time. We nourish and encourage well-ordered households that are places of peace and built for high challenge, endurance, and the enjoyment of the king's treasures. <laughs> what I'm wondering is, it feels expansive uh, and I'm, I'm curious if it's too, it's too much crammed into one statement. Yeah. That's my first reaction is that it feels unwieldy. It's great. It's great that you can get everything into one sentence. And sometimes the more descriptors you have in there, the more specific it is, which is great. Um, but if it's as unwieldy as all that, I wonder if you could have quoted it to me without looking at your paper. Yeah, not yet. Okay. So one thing I look for when looking at somebody's vision statement is, is there anything that is um, um, a duplication in there? For instance, I, I heard well-ordered and peaceful. So I, I would challenge, can those, are those reiterations of the same idea? Yeah. Um high challenge is a mouthful in itself. I, I always wonder if you use the word disciple anywhere in that sentence, does that get at high challenge? Or do you want to call out high challenge? Like one thing that happens is that as you start removing words, you, you quickly find there's a hierarchy of your values. And you might say, no, no, no. High challenge is really, really, we want to call that out. That has to be called out. Okay. 
Well, then I would say then you then is it so important that you would say that we want to serve high challenge households or that you want to serve well ordered um, households that make disciples or something like that? So you know what those words mean. I mean, this statement is for your family <clears throat> household. For instance, in my brain, when I say household or I use the word family, a family hierarchy always comes to mind. I wouldn't have to call that out for 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 my statement that I would say um, a family that has a father leading it and obedient children. That would be redundant to me because I already said well-ordered home. So uh, that would that would be what I would start pushing against is the language. Um, I, I kind of like that you define the kind of household that you that you aspire to be and what you're saying in your statement is that we want to create other households that are like our household when our household is healthy correct yeah exactly and that was one of my questions with i don't love the fact that it starts out with we nourish and encourage correct that's exactly what we're trying to say is we don't feel that we have so perfected this that we could just say, well, we're done with a mission to build it in our own home and we're just sharing it now. We're still absolutely working on the construction of this thing so that we can share it. Well, then let's try to think of a verb that's, that says something like, we want to glorify this kind of family. Something that says we want to experience it and we want to reproduce it. I think having one verb is better than two. I think uh, brevity is always a win. Um, so let's, well, I'll come up with one word there. Let me just ask you on your household, would you, do you prefer household over family or home? I do um, because I really like thinking back to the Abrahamic model of a household extending beyond the my wife my kids and even our extended family into the you know we have an employee that works in our home we have uh, resources that go out from our household that touch a lot of people that aren't family and yes. my vision our vision is that those things would be just as well ordered as our sabbath table on a friday night okay and what what would, if you had to pick one adjective for that household between your options here, which are high challenge, um, discipling, peaceful, and abundant, what would you say? Uh, I don't know if I'd be willing to do it. <laughs> I think that um... – High challenge and endurance get to the same thing in some ways. So I'm okay with, with those being one. Um, and I think well-ordered households, if that's not on my list, that kind of expresses peaceful. A well-ordered household is going to be a place where there's not a whole lot of chaos or stress. Mm -hmm. Um, so I could get down to, that are built for endurance, 
and the enjoyment of the king's treasures because those feel like two separate sides of the coin to me there's going to be times when endurance is is critical and then there's going to be times of feasting and enjoyment and things like that okay could i have two yeah i i I can do that if you say on the back side that your your final thing is going to be for both endurance and enjoyment something like that yeah okay how how do you feel about magnify for that first verb we exist to magnify a specific kind of household and that means we experience it and we're going to duplicate it i mean it makes me feel a little bit like the cheesy worship opening at prestonwood baptist church when i was a little kid about We will magnify, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's the right idea. I don't think you're allowed to say we, we exist to pour gasoline on the, the well-ordered household, the fire. No, that, of the that doesn't belong. Uh, but in, I like it. In the, that doesn't belong in the beautiful script font in the barn wood frame in someone's living room. Yeah, we, that's right. We exist to pour gasoline on. Well, it, we're just making a penciled in draft, so you can always change these words, but you get the idea. Yep. Um, so we could say the parrots. What if, we, what if we just foster? We Great. foster well-ordered households built for endurance love and the enjoyment of the king's treasures. What we're going to do is real simple little exercise here. You're going to tell me that uh, the United Way has hit you up for money. And we're simply going to ask ourselves, is that an expression of this vision statement? That's that's all we're doing. Okay. Here's here's one that, that came today. There's a There's an abortion ministry here in Utah that they go to clinics, speak with men and women who are going in with plans to have an abortion and they say not only are we willing to do whatever we can to help you uh, if you decide not to do this but we will raise money to help you in the period between now and when this baby will be born and I got hit up this morning with an ask with a specific mom who had decided that she was going to go ahead and have her baby and she needs help with rent and the basics between now and when this baby is born. Um, I don't know anything else about her. So this was one that caught my eye. Okay. And and you feel um, a, a pull of some kind to, to write that check? Yeah. And I, I thought about it in light of our, our vision statement because I knew we were going to be talking about this and thought... I want to do this because I really love not just shouting at people who are thinking about abortion, um, but stepping in with physical help and saying, hey, we would be willing to sort of help you uh, if you if you made a different decision here. Um, so I like that. Uh, is it the unique thing that we are called to? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, my impulse and I think this is an expression of that family vision really was to say, how could we, how could we actually help this person beyond just money? Because there's a lot that led up to, 
to the position she finds herself in. So are there other ways besides just writing a check to get involved? And I, I think that even when I talk to people who hit us up through Abraham's wallet or outposts that have fallen into financial distresses, I, I think money's not going to help um, in the long term. Yeah. It, it might help in the short term. Um, but how can we, again, kind of get into that household and create some patterns that are going to be long-term right. useful? Well, similarly, I think that uh, uh, folks want a place to volunteer their time and energies um, in addition to, well, I wrote a check. Now, where can I, where can I give money? And not that giving time to your church is a bad idea, but I know a lot of people who would say, unless my church is actually is actively looking for volunteers to do a thing, I wouldn't know where to volunteer my time. So I'm just lumping that in with this and saying that that a natural extension of giving your money is how could I give my time in a way that serves the same thing. So it's really easy for me to see with, uh, you know, uh, crisis pregnancy, you, you would be serving the household issue, the future household of this uh, family. You would be helping the endurance of this young lady um, because she's at she's at the edge of despair. You'd be helping her to endure. And you would also be helping her experience some degree of abundance, much more than she is right now. So mm. I could easily I could easily put that thing into your um, vision statement. I would also just have you jot a note down beside your giving plans that in the same way that, for instance, in the trip that we just described, you and I sat down with people and looked over their situation and then gave them some advice. It kind of met their present need. And they're like, wow, that's great. I'll, I'll go away from this. And maybe I'll, maybe I can see you guys next year sometime. We can talk about the next thing. What a gift to a young lady for you to sit down with her even better for you and Amelia to sit down with her. Just take one hour. That's just a family counseling session. And she just describes what's happening. And my guess is she would love some insight that Amelia has for baby care, that some insight for when do I start discipline and how does that start? Or let's look at your finances. Can I give you a goal, a simple goal in the next year, et cetera? So gosh, what a massive blessing in her life. So anyways, the review is uh, keep that one in the corral. That, that, that seems like a, a definite maybe. Okay, I'll give you some quick ones. I got an email. My next one comes from the American Red Cross. And they say that we can get a, a match on our gift if we help the American Red Cross today. What does the Red Cross do? It, it helps people who are, are victims of uh, catastrophes, right? I think so. Um, first of all, the Red Cross and any other organization you're going to tell me about they're all wonderful things and they do great work and i don't see it i don't see it on your vision statement yeah pretty easy let's move on to one that might be a little bit harder for people uh i've got one here from modern day now, let me just say in case people would want to shoot a shoot this down and go like well you guys are just gonna say things that nobody's family because they're so they're they're 
conceptual or they're international or whatever. So they're, they're just going to be outside of, of any family's vision statement. Not so. We, we, I just met with a family two weeks ago and God has given these people an international vision and they are already establishing ministry spots as a family in several countries and giving to the Red Cross would be right down the middle of what God is calling them to. So anyways, Red Cross, no, next. Okay, the next one I got might feel like, of course, every Christian family should do this one. Um, it's from Modern Day. It's an organization that sends out missionaries. And they're asking if we could bless a missionary by giving to their general fund. They have 890 missionaries in 70 nations. Um, I think I actually do support our friend David Sheldon through this organization, I believe. I believe that's mm. who he uses to clear payments. But uh I could be wrong about that. So that's probably how I'm on their list. But most of their work is international missions. So what do you think? At the risk of raising someone's hackles, another word I enjoy, kind of like foster, we believe in the spread of the gospel. What we don't know, and believe me, I've been there. I've been a foreign missionary before, and I have known many, many families who are missionaries to foreign countries. And I can tell you from experience, we don't know how their household operates. And we don't know, they could be saying the gospel, going door to door, but your family's vision is about households and the way that they run. It, I think it would be a presumption of yours that if somebody is gonna have a well-ordered household and they're going to have abundance thanks to the king, etc. We're talking about Jesus following households. That's part that I think that's insinuated into your vision statement. We don't know what the we don't know what the missionaries' households are like. And we don't know if you would be supporting households or not that are the kind that you feel called to. I don't know what else to say besides that. So for me, it's a no because it's not specific enough. One thing I would encourage you to do, and I know that's not what the exercise we're doing right now, but I would encourage you to ask yourself, what families that I know meet these exact requirements? This is a family that is well-ordered. Um, I have seen them suffer well. There's endurance, and they also don't have any guilt or shame about enjoying God's abundance in their life. You could make a list of two or three families like that, and just as a wave offering to the Lord, you could give money to those people, saying that y'all are the kind of family that I want multiplied or uh, fostered on planet Earth, and so I'm just going to give you a gift um, just, to, just to bless the Lord for it. Now, that's the kind of gift that would be a hilarious gift for your family. You would, you would really enjoy highlighting families like that because they're exactly the kind of family you want to be and that you want to reproduce. So there, so there is a note for, for listeners here, which is we don't just give to needs, as crazy as that sounds. And that's the way that we typically think is that, oh, we would only give where there's a gaping hole of sorrow and pain. And we litter a few droplets into a massive bucket that'll never be full. And you know, you should give to the poor, for instance, even though you know that the poor will always be with you because you want to experience God's heart. 
But we don't just give based on needs. We give because we're givers. Do you, or do you think that God stops giving to you when all of your most necessary needs are met? Or do you think that he keeps giving to you? I can speak for myself and say he gave us money this year to help pay for our trip to Florida for us to do a planning summit. I know it was God and I know it was unnecessary for him to give us that money, but he did. And that's, that's the kind of hilarious, generous giver that, that God is. And so we ought give yes to need and not only to need. That's not, that's, that's not the beginning and ending of, of our lives as givers. I, I was, cha- I know I'm going on, but, I was challenged one time when when I was trying to break through um, the any poverty mindset that I have had gathered in my childhood, trying to come into um, more of a reigning concept of, of of abundance. And the Lord challenged me one year, particularly I remember it, to give money to the richest people that I know. And I thought, well, that is just outrageous. That's and, and again, the Lord challenged me with exactly these questions like, oh, oh, so you think I stopped giving to you when your when your needs were met? Oh, no, you've been pretty stupidly generous to me. Great practice. OK, so anyways, there, there's an idea for you is to think of people who who meet the qualifications of your vision and just send money out there. I think you're right. I think that. The, the places where we have in the past given to missions work that have felt really good are the places where we know the family yes. and we know that they're reproducing themselves. Yes. Uh, and so it really fits with, with what we're up to. Um, we're supporting somebody right now who's a missionary abroad and it's a single woman and she's doing great work that doesn't really fit into our vision. I don't feel like I'm have to cut her off right now, but that's an interesting one to kind of think about in the long run. I also don't necessarily feel that hilariousness with it. Um, And so kind of this next one is one that also feels like, man, we should do this. Um, And it's something I believe in. but it doesn't totally fit with the vision. So I'm interested to know what you think. Uh, And that would be the school where our kids go. They rely quite a bit on donations from families or third parties. And I'm on the board at the school. So I'm giving quite a lot of time. You and I have worked to give this school resources and we're actually building a curriculum for them around financial education so we're involved with this school pretty deeply. But when it comes to year-end financial gift, we kind of go, well, what's the right amount? Uh, what, what should we do here? That's, that's an ongoing topic of debate in our household. A couple of reactions. One, not everybody has to agree with me on this, but I increasingly feel that Christian education um, is more and more important that if I want to be a part of building the king's uh, domain around me. I think I have to be involved in Christian education. So if you're if you want to foster 
uh, a well-ordered household. That would be a household that's underneath the king's domain, which would include the teaching of scriptures <clears throat> and the teaching of how a family works. So I, I like it. I, I, I like it as, as, again, this should be on your list of finalists. Um, once you have your list of finalists or... Or it's the, it's the list. We're going to give to these six places. Okay. Then a lot of times we sit with, well, what, what would count as a meaningful donation? I always prefer to give to uh, human beings over organizations. So I prioritize that, like your, this uh, single lady that you're giving to. I always think, okay, what, what, is she, what does she need each donor to give? Well, she needs at least, I'm making this up, $100 a month. Okay, well then we're going to just write that check for $1,200 there. We have given to her. And then a lot of times, if it's organizational things, we just kind of um, order them um, from a passion standpoint. We're going to give to them all, so they are all getting our vote anyways, but we're going to order them in terms of how down the middle does this feel to us? How passionate are we right now about what they're up to? And then we can just order them. And and we, I mean, if if you want to split your money into a six-piece pie or something and just give you out equally, that's fine. We feel a thrill to give the most money to the place we believe in the most, and et cetera, et cetera. So that's how we, that's how we do it. Cool. Well. We could continue down the list. I think I, I've got a good sense for how you yeah, think let's about. Let's do. This. Let's do one or two more. All right. Um, let's see. The one that just came in while we were talking. This is an interesting one. We could talk about Red Butte Gardens. They are a citywide garden that people go to. They have concerts. We've gone there and enjoyed it. Uh, we might have even written them a check at some point. So Red Butte Gardens is asking me for money. All right. This is great. This is great. So there's a little, there's a place in your city that's beautiful. You enjoy as a family. They've got some trust and they want you to pad out their trust. And no, it doesn't fit into your family's vision. They're not helping create families for the king that are well ordered and that enjoy endurance and abundance yeah if our vision was all about seeking the good of the city uh yeah. which is something we want to be about but it's not the primary thing that we're called to yeah Maybe and you could write a check to the police and you could write a check to uh school crossing guards and and the nearest botanical garden just to put a button on this whole conversation and the reason that we started with your family's vision statement is because you know we say that if you have a family of evangelism that that's the smell of your family then your family's energies should all smell like evangelism your money that you give should smell like evangelism your children when they're fully trained Luke 640 says every student when he's fully trained will end up looking like his teacher. So as your children go out into the world, they should smell like evangelists. There should be the smell of evangelism on your business uh, interests, et cetera, et cetera. So all we're trying to do is look for integrity 
for people. We're trying to we're trying to bump their giving in line with their their calling of their life. And if the place where you where you experience the fullness of your calling, if that's a place where you uh, have the gratifying richness of of how good it feels to do what you're called to do, then your money should do the same thing. And so here we are in December when people are thinking of giving. And I would just like to encourage everybody to bump your giving money back in line with what your family is called to do. That's that reiterates what we've been doing here. And I I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability in letting us all poke our virtual fingers into your family's uh, giving story. Yeah. So one thing we got a, a new request in the last We've never had this one before, but I want to honor it because we said that sounds like something we'd be willing to do. Yes. We got a request from Chelsea. I remember this. She has a buddy named Ryan Smith. Oh, Ryan Smith. The Ryan Smith. Yeah. And I've actually had a chance to to chat with him. So I've met this guy. He's a stand up, stand up dude. Um, But it's his birthday. And so. Steven has composed an original song for Ryan Smith. Wait, did you get to that? Yeah, yeah, I've got it all right here. Okay. Uh, No, we just wanted to wish Ryan Smith a happy birthday from the Abraham's Wallet podcast. You've got a good buddy who uh, knows that one of the most important things in your life is this podcast. And uh, this this would be the, the birthday gift that would really make a difference to you. So us saying happy birthday i hope it it makes your day just a little bit better ryan happy birthday ryan smith we love you and we love all of our listeners and appreciate everybody welcoming us into your ear drums yes we love all the smiths that listen that's uh, right of which there are probably thousands so yeah all right well until next week this is the abraham's wallet podcast I'm Mark Parrott. I'm Stephen Manuel. Have a great week, you all.